river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. Welcome back to the Track Quest Podcast. James Orr and Bob the Bow Hunter Borland. What's going on, Bob? Not much, man. Just recovering from the weekend. Oh, man. I'm definitely recovering. That was, uh, <laughs> I went long and hard. Man, yeah, we those went to guys the in Montana. States. We had a blast. James, uh, had the family, so I didn't get to hang as much, but yeah, we had a good time. It was awesome getting to meet everybody and, you know, it was, it, it being in Montana, a lot of the, Guys, we've had on the podcast. We got to meet in person, and and man, it was great. It really was. They, we've got a lot uh, of work to do to live up to that shoot because we'll be hosting it in Oregon next year. So, for the folks listening that uh, were there and had a good time, we expect you to join us in uh, Oregon. And for the folks that missed out, well, no worries. We're going to be putting it on in Oregon and. I th- I'm hoping we'll get a good turnout from the Montana boys because I sure had a lot of fun hanging out with those guys. Yeah, and thanks to the Bridger Bowman and the traditional bowhunters in Montana for putting it on. It was the first time we've had it in Montana. Uh, for you guys that don't know the Western States, uh, Jim Brackenberry started it, I think, 20-something years ago and rotates around between a different western state every year memorial day weekend and yeah next year's our turn so the montana guys kind of stepped it up a little notch from what we were used to and it was awesome so yeah it was cool i mean to see uh they've got a, a good crowd uh over there and a lot of younger guys were motivated to help out and, and really make a smooth uh bow shoot i mean it just seemed like nick and billy seabrass were just constantly making sure running around everywhere making sure everybody's camping situation was good and um it was just i just felt so welcomed and the country was so beautiful and they did great job setting up the course um the three courses were really good they had all the novelty shoots um there was uh hot springs there um i was camped right on the creek and um a really good nightlife amongst the younger crowd uh the bow hunters of montana podcast guys dane and paul and all them man they they put on a good party at night and it it was fun man i i just i just had a blast i'm still recuperating from it it was so much fun (laughs) yep yep yeah it was good times and um it was so cool getting to hang out with uh Scott and uh, Brian Colzer. Uh, those guys are, you know, next level bow hunters and getting to hear stories. And yeah, it was just so cool. Yeah, yeah. I got to see Jerry Stout was there. If you guys haven't listened to him, he was on, oh, what episode was that? It was a while ago, a couple years ago when we were at the Longbow Safari. Uh, he's an Oregon guy, just a awesome old timer so yeah seeing those guys and the robertsons and i mean just everybody was there it was a good time yeah gene wenzel was there um yeah just so so many good people and um i really enjoyed hanging out with michael arnett from tall times 
um, Bob Smith from Big Stick Archery, Alan Boyce, uh, Liberty Longbows. I mean, just all the top-notch boyers were there. It was Dick Robertson. I mean, it was just so cool. It was so cool. Yep. It's a good time. We have some shirts and hats left that I'll get on the uh, website this weekend probably. And Yeah, tradquest.com. We'll get the shirts and hats up. we got a really cool new design. My buddy Tyson Baker does all our artwork for us, and he, he really knocked it out of the park uh, with the, the new uh, Hunting the Hard Way uh, logo that we've got right now and we've got them on the old school 80s truckers hats and on a nice gray t-shirt and um you know still got some stickers available so check out the website here and you know you can also uh there's some photos of them on our instagram page at track quest podcast so check that stuff out for sure heck yeah we had a good time good meeting everybody Yep, and so if you're out in Montana, you should be supporting uh, Ridger Bowman and the traditional archers of Montana. Um, and it doesn't matter where you're at, you should be supporting your local traditional bow hunting uh, organizations. Uh, don't forget about Compton Traditional and PBS, uh, another two great organizations that are helping push uh, the needle forward for traditional bow hunting. And, uh, yeah, we uh, hope you enjoy this show. We've got... Uh, Bill and Nick Seabrass, uh, the guys that uh, were pretty much running the show over there, we brought them on. Well, I brought them on. Bob was, uh, I think, already on his way home. And I got to go uh, hang out in their cabin. And they're, you know, once again, great hospitality. And spent a couple hours uh, chatting with them about bow hunting in Montana and Bridger Bowman and and uh, that awesome event they put on. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. And, um, yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the TradQuest Podcast. We're out here in Lolo Hot Springs, Montana. This is my first trip to Montana. Super excited to be here. Welcome. And uh, I'm joined here with uh, Nick and Bill Seabrass. How are you fellas doing this wonderful evening? Awesome. Doing good, James. Yeah. yeah. Thanks awesome. for having us. Yeah, so uh, we're sitting in a little cabin in Lolo Hot Springs, uh, and we've just wrapped up a really wonderful weekend. And I want to just go ahead and thank you guys right out the gate. Um, this was a very, very awesome uh, 3D shoot uh, event. It was set up. You guys did. I know how hard it is to set these up. I've been involved with a lot of them. And uh, you guys really went above and beyond, I, I feel. Um, just all the fine details that were put into the shoot. Um, the three courses were super good. Um, yeah, I want you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh, tell us how you are involved in this uh, event. Yeah. You want me to start? Do you want to start? Sure. sure. I'll start. All right. I'm Bill Seabrass. Um, I guess a couple of years ago, Tim Roberts, uh, president of the Traditional Bowhunters of Montana, asked if uh, the Bridger Bowman, I'm the president of the Bridger Bowman, he asked if we would uh, co-host the Western States Rendezvous. And to be honest, I didn't really know much about it, um, but we were interested, so we said we would. And got to doing a little research on it, and it turns out that this is the 21st 
Western States traditional rendezvous and it is the very first in Montana. Yeah, do you know where it originated? Do you know the backstory? I don't exactly. Um, Andy Ponce was talking about it. Some gentleman um, wanted to do something similar to the Longbow Safari. Jim Brackenberry. Yes. From Oregon. Yep. He's a, was a legendary boyer. He got mm-hmm. the, he got a lot of guys started. Uh, his influence can be seen in Norm Johnson's Black Tail Bow, Wes Wallace's bow, um, soccer stick bows. Mm. Um, he was very instrumental in uh, the boyers out on the West Coast. Um, we lost him to a tragic accident. Um, I, don't, I don't know the year, but it was quite some time ago. Yeah. And um, the Longbow Safari, the North American Longbow Safari, Longbows only, right. well, Jim built recurves. And he kind of felt didn't, didn't feel too invited the way I was told. And so he started Western States. Um, I don't know if it was recurves only the first year. That, I think that might be rumor. <laughs> but either, how, either which way, it, it's a very family-oriented event. Um, this is only my second. I attended in Washington. Um, well, I think it was back in 2017. And we were just getting the podcast started then and did a few interviews there. And it was a really, really good event. One of my favorites I'd been to. So the bars kind of held high. I didn't make it up to California. And then COVID canceled on you guys. You guys were going to host last year and canceled. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's coming back to Oregon next year. But uh, I tell you, we're going to have a tough time following what you guys did here. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have done a great job, so I'll I'll, I'll put it back with you. Thanks. Yeah, uh, anyway, we got asked to do it, and we said, yeah. And uh, we were just trying to, we knew it was a Western States event, so we had an idea to do it in central Montana and decided that maybe we should have a little further on the west side of Montana. There's a local archery club, Five Valley Archers, that um, had a shoot here in Lolo. And we heard this was a good spot, so we came and checked it out. And sweet venue, cool terrain, and uh, so we hosted it here, and everybody had a great time. It seemed like so. Yeah, here um, we are. Uh, yeah, sorry, Yana, but <laughs> she, it's gorgeous here. She told me not to say that. <laughs> <laughs> this is God's country. Holy moly, this place is beautiful, uh, spectacular. Yeah. Um, you guys just really I think that when I attended it was just a fun shoot and I really liked that you guys added the competition aspect and and uh, provided uh, trophies and, and turned in the scorecards and um, you guys had really good novelty uh, stuff you did the um, what are the what are the novelty shoots that the you guys did? Water shoot the water shoot uh, we did a kid's shoot popped some balloons got some prizes and then we did the night shoot which was pretty fun yeah, so the night shoot, I've never been involved in that. And um, you'd think it would be pretty straightforward, but I was kind of like, well, how's this going to work? And so I went ahead and participated in the night shoot. And um, basically, they broke us up into groups of six. And uh, they uh, selected 10 targets on one of the courses. And um, they went and hung a uh, glow stick on the 12 ring of each target. And we used flashlights to get up to the target, and then all lights out. And we would uh, shoot to try to pop, try to break the glow stick, and 
Did you break any dicks? I did not, but I was flirting. I was flirting with them Flirt. constantly. I was knocking them side with here yeah. and there and, yeah. and touching them. And um, I, in my group, I had uh, Yot and Yana Robertson, and um, we had um, Colton from Hearst. What's Colton, Colton Hearst? Hearst? Yeah, Colton Hearst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I had a really, really cool group. Yeah. And um, Yana and Yoder, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they are awesome. You can hear Yana's beautiful laugh through the night. Oh, oh I, I told her I, I go on Instagram when I'm having a bad day and check out her page because she's got <laughs> so much happiness and energy. <laughs> and she, she, she whispered me, it might be a rabbit, it might be a moose, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was... Pleasantly shocked to have taken second place at the event. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming, but um, I've been going through a little bit of target panic. I don't even like to say that out loud, um, but it's the truth. And um, man, removing all the stimuli and just having this glow-in-the-dark thing to aim at, mm-hmm. being an intuitive, instinctive shooter, uh, it really stripped everything down, and and I was able to just shoot at that. And I, I found this morning that things were going a lot better for me after doing that last night. You should shoot in the dark more. I'm, <laughs> I, it's going to be part of the new repertoire, <laughs> uh, for sure. So yeah, the night shoot was uh, something we're going to have to carry over in Oregon because that that was super cool. Um, so good job, fellas, on that. Did you participate in the water shoot? I did not. We we do did that. Did you watch? I watched it. I uh, really got it. It was very entertaining. I, I was watching. Um, uh, Andy's uh, son and daughter competing uh, there at the end against mm-hmm. each other, and I was pushing hard for Hannah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was yeah, it was super cool. In Oregon, when we've done those, they use a milk jug, mm-hmm. and you guys are using a Ziploc baggie, which I think is much better because I'm a wood arrow shooter, and those <laughs> uh, those wood arrows hang up in the milk jugs, and the skinny carbons blow through them faster. So I felt that even the playing field a little bit, even though I wasn't participating. Um, so that was super awesome. Um, and, and the terrain here, just beautiful timber and big, what would you like, big, like smooth Rocky Mountain rock mm-hmm. formations. Boulders. Bold, big boulders. And um, I know that the, the shoot I went to before had three course courses set up, and so there was three, an A, B, and C course here. And you were, did you say you helped set up A? Yeah. Yeah. A was cool. The shots were a little closer, but they were like a lot more realistic. They were through a lot of brush, um, and so each course had its own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I Joel Turner's were like 40, 50, 60 yards with no backstop. Oh yeah, Joel. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Joel. It was fine, Joel. Yeah, oh yeah, Joel <laughs> Turner um, comes pulling in here on Friday morning, and he's just like, "Or oh, we gotta shoot," <laughs> and I'm like. Turner, there's not even any targets that cut. <laughs> and uh, he couldn't uh, be here for Saturday and Sunday. He had family obligations. And so he was like, well, who do I got to talk to to get targets set up? Like, we need to get this going. My <laughs> um, guy's energy is next level for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, always like shooting with him. Didn't get the opportunity this time. But, uh, yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and tell me a little more about, you know, how, how, how you guys set it up and... Uh, um, yeah, we had to, we combined, uh, Bridger Bowman's targets with, uh, traditional bow hunters, Montana TBM. And, uh, 
we knew we had 60 plus targets so we could get three rounds out of it and we set up uh, three range masters which one of them was late I hope he's going to listen to this podcast because he was very 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 late <laughs> in the day don't mention Mark's Schwomer's name yeah I won't <laughs> okay. I won't wasn't Mark Schwomer then no it wasn't Mark <laughs> Schwomer <laughs> But anyway, uh, we always uh, Bridger Bowman has a really good core group of like young trad shooters, which is awesome. Well, yeah. tell us a little bit about Bridger Bowman. Bridger Bowman. Yeah. Uh, Bridger Bowman. Uh, so I was part. I'm gonna go way back. Yeah, um, please do. I've been shooting bow for as long as I can remember, thanks to my dad sitting here. Um, but we. And had, how old are you, Bill? I'm 33. Okay. Yep. But uh, Dad and I have been shooting 3D shoots since I can remember probably I don't know I was three, I, f- three I, or four years I old I carried you around a few yeah raised by the bow mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he always said I was crying and screaming and stuff but he drugged me around to all these bow shoots but anyway I've been shooting bow shoots since I can remember and uh, I was part of uh, the Bear Paw Bowman how to have her which is a long ongoing group great group if you guys are ever in montana and want to go to a good bow shoot you gotta go to the bear paw bowman shoot okay and when does that happen um father's day weekend this year it's a two-day shoot okay it's about this big okay uh and that's located where again uh south of haver south of chinook montana so north central montana okay north of the uh 40 miles north of missouri river and for the folks listening right now if they were interested where would they get more information about that bearpawbowman.com barberranchshoot.com oh i've heard of that yeah it's a it's uh barber ranch and i'm very proud of it it's our it'll be our 22nd year um kind of it, it's much like this. We have the same atmosphere. We have a free feed on Saturday night. We have vendors. Uh, we do have some crybabies. There, well, I'm sorry. There's some compounders there. Oh, okay, <laughs> some compounders too. But yeah. what, those are just those are our friends we haven't converted yet. You're right, and, and we're working <laughs> yeah. on them. There's yeah. less every year for yeah. sure. That's True. good. Good, um, good work. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, we've been doing it for 22 years. We've had shoots before that, but the two day shoot. Uh, and we have all the novelty shoots and and I, I'd like to mention one thing. I, I know you, you said that you were impressed by the competitive. You know, we kept score if you wanted and and the trophies. I know a lot of traditional guys, especially the older guys, aren't really into the competitive side of it. So I just want to clear that there's a lot of people like me that just shot it. For fun, for fun, yeah, and that, but but having the option, yeah, because yeah, some do, people right. want to put the pressure, want that pressure put on them, right? And and that's what and I that's think. I but I think it. that's really good. You brought that up. It adds an element that competition adds it does. an element of. It does, and I think that some it does turn some people off. They're like, "Well, oh, I don't want to go compete." You don't have to, right? Keep your scorecard in your pocket. I know a lot of great traditional hunters that have never been to a shoot, and I, I think it's because of that aspect they don't want to. You know, maybe they're an old hand and a legend in our part of the country, and they've done some great things with their bow and and taken some great animals over the years. But maybe they're not that great a shot. Hey, some and they're some, worried about it. Who gives a damn? Yeah, some guys uh, can hit the foam, hit that twelve ring every time, and uh, have some success or minor success in the in the elk woods or deer woods. Right. 
Um, and, and then there's those guys, which we've interviewed quite a few, that may or may not have shot any or would not want to shoot in a group and uh, is not going to be competitive, but find a lot of success. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get to point A, but I think that this is a big part of our community and, mm-hmm. and giving a chance to compete and to see where you stand amongst the guys that want to. Um, and it's not at the point where we're, uh, and not to offend anyone, but this isn't a, a, a stabilizer. Um, Doinkers? Uh, um, well, you know, this isn't a, a competitive, uh, like, IBO type. No. This, these, this, these are hunters that are testing their hunting equipment um, and seeing where they stack up amongst their friends and and fellow uh, competitors. If you feel, yeah, and we're we're all our. I think I speak for Bill's group too. We're we're practicing to hone our craft for hunting. That's like Bill said. We've been to hundreds of shoots over the years, and it's and Bill's got a bedroom full of medals through those years. But it we're we're here to get better at hunting, and 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 the setup really showed it. Like bull elk standing in the reap rod with his vitals of, oh, open you can't see his head you can't you can just see the tops of his antlers you know right there at 18 yards or or uh an antelope standing out in the open or you know whatever it is a badger or you guys did a really realistic setup using the rocks with the mountain goat up on the rocks or um, yeah, it was it, it was very very something that you would see while while out hunting. So I thought mm-hmm. you guys did a good job with your placement of the targets. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we like a lot of up and a lot of down. down. A lot of cross really makes a difference, right? The yeah, because it's hard to, to judge uh, the, yeah. the distances and, and 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 at the same time, it uh, you know for folks that, that may or may not have missed their targets, oh, I wouldn't do that, but. It was easy for to retrieve your arrows. You didn't have people out there looking for arrows forever or whatever. And I think that's important to keep keep the flow. And having three courses helps with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was very well received from being out there uh, with the folks I was talking to. Do you guys know what the turnout was? Um, we had 250 people pre-registered um, through Eventbrite, which is a little organizational tool we used. Um, and then people just showed up and shot. So I'd, I'd guess kids, adults, and youth was probably near or over 300 shooters. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That That's a good turnout for out west. I know some of these east coast guys get some crazy big turnouts, but 300 shooters, that's a good event. Yeah. It's a big size uh, group for what that's we fun. usually go to. And a lot of combinations here. Um, this is at a hot spring, so... Across there's a there was plenty of camping and um, we're in a cabin right now. There was a bunch of cute little cabins. There was places for RV hookups and camp trailers and I tent camped right on the creek. Um, yeah, it was a, a really good wide open spaces. There's a hot springs across the street and a bar and restaurant and um, great location. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys nailed it for sure. Um, the raffle was good. Yeah. Yeah, we had... Um, Thank you. Oh. What's that? Probably shouldn't do product placements. Oh, no, you're fine. No, you <laughs> thank you, Stone Glacier. Yes, yeah, thank you, Stone Glacier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dad won a yeah. Stone Glacier pack. You won the Stone Glacier yeah. pack? Yeah, it's my fourth in two years. <sighs> it's pretty bad. Hot like, to trot, huh? 
We've uh, I buy a lot of tickets. I'm gonna touch back on Bridger Bowman in a minute because we got a little off track, but. Yeah, let's let's see that. But I gotta hear this. You won three Stone Glacier packs three years in a row. Is that what you just said? Is it three or four? I know it's three. Three. I, I I'll admit I was a little embarrassed. I had you won seven, a lot. I had seven tickets. Seven. Out. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I don't think people realize, but uh, my best friend Nick Prescott, who I traveled here with, he came out of the bucket four or five times as well. Oh really? Um, and it was just one after another. I'd be up there pulling some off the table my name would come again and I'd dip my head um, <laughs> but I I, I got a uh, Glenn St. Charles arrow mm. oh yeah um, and the arrow is just gorgeous wood arrow with a, a bear razor head on it yeah so and it's got hair and blood on it I, I'm oh. going to call Jay and get, get the story on this thing but I'm going to be having Jay a, was here Jay was here yeah we had Jay on it just a couple episodes ago and I got to spend some time with Jay and that's what was really cool oh. too was I got to meet a lot of Montana dudes, or he's from Washington, but a lot of people I've interviewed, I got to meet them face to face and spend time with these people. And so, uh, because you guys put this together, I appreciate that. But yeah, the raffle was cool, and I'm gonna have my friend build me a box to display that arrow in my house. I'm right. super pumped to to have won that. Cool. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get back into the Bridger Bowman. Um, well, yeah, leading off of. Uh, the Bear Paw Bowman, they've been going for 24, 25 years or so, would you say? Yeah, probably 30. Yeah, and Dad was a big part of that. Well, let's see, about 95, I think I remember this, we had one of the first, or the first, bow shoot on our place, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had, in 1995, Dad made a bunch of plaques with, like, a little deer head and prize trophy Take deals. Take close, yeah. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. we had, I think uh, you rented targets from, like, some guy. There was a tuck. You know, archery <laughs> shop in Great Falls, and we rented, had to rent the targets because, you know, no clubs had enough targets to put on the shoot. And he would, he would put on, he would rent you the targets for $500 or 60% of the gate. And uh, so, yeah, the first shop, shoot, we lost our ass on that and uh they started calling us the montana turkey hunters because all the targets we rented from them were uh javelina and turkeys and one elk and one deer i think because <laughs> they were all cheap like old Delta. turkey targets are like my least, <laughs> least favorite my too. <laughs> but this guy rented like i don't know 25 targets or something to this yeah new up-and-coming club and it was like all turkeys and javelina and like one white-tailed deer and maybe an elk or something. Yeah, but, but that got us rolling, right? Yeah, we had the the first shoot on our place, and uh, you know uh, we'd we'd visit some neighboring counties and go to shoots and and so forth. But anyway, the bear paw bowman um, has been a big part of my life, and um, I went to school in Bozeman. And they had an archery club, I believe, called the Black Rams sometime back. Uh, but they were kind of out of the picture. They had to fall out. And uh, I just was surprised that Bozeman didn't have an archery club. So it's in a college town. And yeah, a college town. Industry. And they got, like, you know, all these outdoor industries there. And uh, they're just there's a few archery shops but no archery club. And I was so used to going to all these shoots when I was a kid and kind of grew up with it. 
And so um, I decided to start the Bridger Bowman, um, kind of like a sister club off of the Bear Paw Bowman. And so the the first year we like rented targets from the Bear Paw Bowman. And then after that we got target sponsors and we had different businesses buy us targets. And then we've built this database of uh, targets and now we're like self-sustained and we can um, host these shoots and everything else. But um, a lot of our members are traditional bow shooters and have been a part of the traditional bow hunters and so... It's kind of how we got tied into the Western states. Okay, what? How did you come up with the name Bridger Bowman? Well, it was like the the Bear Paw Bowman. You know, we're from the Bear Paw. We Bill grew up, and I have a small ranch in the Bear Paw Mountains uh, in North Central Montana. Yeah, and then uh, we were kind of like the quote unquote sister club of the Bear Paw Bowman. So the Bridgers are right next to Bozeman, so we called it the Bridger Bowman and Jim Bridger in the Bridger Valley. Yeah. So we started and who's Jim Bridger? Famous mountain man. Yeah, okay. Like Jeremiah John I guess yeah. Yeah, really well, in that era. Yeah, in that era, yeah. That type mm-hmm. of thing. Trapper, yeah. But and the Bridger Mountains are right there. Okay. Bridger Mountains. Yeah. Okay. So we we rented some targets from the Bear Pop Bowman, and then we asked uh, different businesses around time ta- around town to buy us some targets, and uh, we've got all these targets now. Yeah. And we start putting on events, and people love it. And we uh, got a different uh, little theme than most shoots, and we try to get a band or something going, and always get a bunch of sweet raffles and our. Uh, mission is to donate 10% back to nonprofits or conservation groups that are just improving the outdoor experience. Oh man, I appreciate and that, that. And that, uh, that makes me so proud that uh, uh, my son's a part of an organization that gives back. Yes, and, it's really um, important. One research. year they do backcountry hunters and anglers, they do Montana Wildlife Federation, uh, the, what's the Great Bears? Western Bear Foundation. Western Bears. Yeah. And and that's pretty awesome. A lot of us older clubs with older guys, we make money to buy targets to have shoots, to make money to buy targets to have shoots. But these these young guys are our future, and they're, they're giving back, and it really makes me happy and proud. Man, that really makes me happy and proud. Like Because like, like you said, we... A lot of these organizations, not to foo-foo, they get caught up in in, in, in a banquet or a, mm-hmm. a shoot, and it becomes just the shoot and the banquet. And uh, it gets kind of removed from the outdoors. I mean, the importance of what we love, it's bow hunting, right? That's right. Um, and so, uh, you know, being able to get involved in different organizations and help in conservation, it's really important. So, yeah, thanks. thank you guys yeah. for what you're doing. Absolutely. We had a uh, uh, tough time in the Montana legislature this year. Once again, we had to battle the uh, introduction of crossbows into my archery season. Uh, it was a tough battle. We, uh, a bunch of, well, the traditional bow hunters of Montana and Montana Bow Hunters Association, backcountry hunters and anglers. Montana Wildlife Federation, we formed a coalition and we politicked our asses off and one more time we beat it back and it's coming again and 
part of the reason uh, to our to our credit to, uh, in Montana we have a the Montana Bowhunter Association years ago we uh, developed a program where we well and we got with the legislature to uh, in the fishing game a joint effort and we have a program called the permit to modify archery equipment for handicapped people we always get thrown this crossbow deal at us under the guise of uh, to be inclusionary of handicapped people and as far as I'm concerned it's no more than a uh, attempt by the crossbow industry to sell more crossbows in Montana. It's legal to use crossbows in Montana during the general season or other states call it the rifle season. They can use them for spring turkey, spring bear. We just want to keep archery season for archery. Mm. And I, I've i been way too involved in politics uh, in the last, last six sessions. We've fought the same dang people trying to get a crossbows to be used in archery season and I I, I know states that have done it have uh, it, it starts out as helping the handicap and and now they're full full inclusion of crossbows during archery season and, yeah and Where we uh, Oregon, I like to call them cross rifles absolutely cross guns we uh, we're the last state here uh, in Oregon to not allow a crossbow in any shape or form, handicap, n- nothing. Um, they're not in the season, but like you said, uh, the hunting industry or the crossbow industry is beating on our door every mm-hmm. single year. They want in, and they're trying to sneak their way in on trailers, whatever it is, to, to, to try to, to lobby their way in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what we, we need to do um, like Marv Clinky did in Colorado so many years ago, which was genius, is to uh, get it locked in to the general season or the gun season or the multi-weapon season, as we call it in, in Oregon, and which would keep it uh, out of the archery season. Well, know? so far that's how we are. You can use it, always have been able to use it during the general season, uh, rifle season. It's not enough for them, huh? No, uh, and, and because... In this day of political correctness, uh, you know, we have to include everybody. It's an instant gratification society. Uh, we have a participation trophy society. And archery, we, we, we have our, in Montana, we have five weeks of archery season. And it's, it, it's precious, man, and it's... Uh, it's because it's hard because we're 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 not we're not at the rate of killing elk where we're a threat to the rifle yeah. season and the minute we're e- e- the crossbow i think my attitude on it was kind of like uh who's you know that might work out east but what are they going to do with those big clunky things out west but let me tell you i've been looking at what's coming out and what's out and They've got some stuff that is super There's light. There's one that shoots two bolts at one time. Yeah. The thing that scares me the worst about it is rutting elk. I, it, 
you know, back east they're shooting whitetail from a tree stand. I don't give a damn if they use a shotgun or a crossbow or an atlatus. Yeah. But rutting elk are so vulnerable. Well, they're not very vulnerable to me, but I... They're more vulnerable, yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) They're not very vulnerable to me because I don't kill a hell of a bunch of them because I'm doing it the hard way. Yeah. And uh, when I do, it's really meaningful. And I just think it's a really bad time to have something that's accurate to 100 yards when I'm, you know, when I'm pissed off because I got rutting bulls at 40 yards and can't get the job done. I don't need a guy shooting 100 yards at him. But I kind of got off the subject there. But I'm, I'm just so this shoot, uh, Bill's group and uh, traditional bull hunters uh, are going to give ten percent to our fund for modifying archery equipment that is used to help handicap people with robos to participate. Yeah. So we're we have a guy that uh, has uh, spoke on the behalf of keeping crossbows out of our seasons. Uh, a man by the name of Gabbard, and he's missing an arm arm from a logging operation, and he shoots a compound bow, and he draws. He has a release aid hooked to his shoulder, and he draws back, and he's an elk killing son of a gun. What? And and he's yeah. like, if I can do this, why the, would the, anyone else need? Uh, the legislature that introduced this is seventy some years old. On his flyer for this to be elected this year, he's chopping wood, and he's telling the legislature that he can't hunt elk with a bow anymore. He has to have a crossbow. <laughs> and I'm just like, look at Greg Munth or Dick Robertson. I mean, Speaking of which, the, the, those gentlemen were here, yeah. heavy headers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to spend some time with them. Um, the, the, what a turnout. What a turnout here. Uh, yeah, there some- uh, and there were some guys that traveled here. Uh, we had... Uh, um, Bob Smith from Big Stick Archery came all the way yeah. out from Illinois. Is that where he's from? Is it Illinois or Iowa? Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Right. yeah, he's from Iowa. Um, I thought I'd traveled far from the Oregon coast, but no, there were some guys. Uh, um, we had we had some from uh, Wisconsin. We had some guys from California. Oh, there's some folks from California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Wait a minute. I yeah. thought this Pennsylvania was Western states. I thought it was too. But yeah, but yeah. California came. It's Western states. No, 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 no. Western yeah. states gets held in California. Petaluma. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a Montana joke. Oh yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. we make those jokes in Oregon too. Um, uh, yeah, Jason from Toughhead Broadheads. I think he's yeah. from Pennsylvania. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was here. Yeah, uh, Michael Arnett. Um, yeah, from uh, Tall Tines. He's yeah. He's in Oklahoma, I believe. Oklahoma or Kansas? No, he's on the he's on the border there. Is it is it Oklahoma? I think it's Oklahoma. I actually, or, or Arkansas? No, nice guy though. Good folks. Oh, great! And I went out. <laughs> he donated shot. a bow to the shoot. He donated a bow from the shoot, uh, mm-hmm. and he builds gorgeous bows. I actually got to go out and shoot with him and uh, uh, Bob Smith and those guys on a course, and what a riot! I mean, tons of fun. Um, I, I shot with different guys each time, and. Um, you know, it's Turtles Archie. We're all brothers, brothers and of the sisters. Bowl. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was so refreshing to uh, get to, like I said, meet these people that I have a relationship over the internet or the telephone with, and we all get to meet together and, and lose arrows together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, there, like you said, there was music. Yeah. And uh, a guy I look up to a lot uh, who is younger than me is Brian Colzer. Yeah. Uh, His dad was here. Oh, man. I. I probably sat and talked to Scott 
like seven or eight different sessions that lasted one to two hours. So I probably have like 18. I should have the recorder on the whole time. <laughs> this weekend? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was at, we had a booth. <laughs> we, had, we, we had a vendor here. I tried Quest. Me and Bob were, were uh, you know, uh, just hanging out and selling shirts and hats and, and getting to talk with guys. And he came in and hung out with a whole bunch. And um, he actually came in uh, with his son, Brian, and they told a story about uh, Paul Schaefer where they went to Alaska and uh, Paul had picked up a 30-30 rifle f- uh, for bear protection and Scott says well we gotta make sure this thing works and we all know Paul Schaefer's talented or was very talented uh, and accurate with anything that was in his hands mm-hmm. so he took two cans of peas and he went out at 30 yards to put them on a stump and Paul says throw that up in the air and he tosses it up the air and Shoots that one and calls her. You gotta be kidding me! This guy never touched this gun before, and so he goes, "Do it again!" Throws it up in the air, and uh, turns out that gun gets passed around after Paul passes, and the Colzers end up with it. And those spent those spent shells were in the box, and uh, because of our relationship we formed with Brian and. Scott through the podcast uh, whatnot. They uh, we kind of like little trinkets and special things. They gave me and Bob those shells. Oh, cool! Some juju. Oh, awesome! And uh, I right when I got that and heard the story, I said, "The elk are in trouble." <laughs> I've got some Paul Schaefer juju in my bag. Yeah, so I was just definitely really blessed to have uh, got to spend time with uh, guys like the Colzers and. Uh, like you said, we had some music. Brian uh, had his band, and they performed, and mm-hmm. uh, they were rocking out, and that, that was super fun. I did miss uh, Barry Wenzel got up there and sung a song about... Uh, or is it... Uh, uh, do I have that wrong? It's Gene, Gene Wenzel. Yeah, I get that. The, the, the Gene was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, not Barry. Gene moved back to Montana. Uh, Gene got up, I guess, and sung, sung a song or wrote a poem or something about the... Uh, the Robertson clan. Did you guys? No, I, I didn't catch it. No. Yeah, some guys filmed it, but I guess it was just an absolute riot. Um, so someone's supposed to send it to me, but I guess it was pretty good. Oh, yeah, uh, missed, missed that it. one, but yeah, this was just an, an absolutely uh, fantastic shoot. You guys did a great job. Is there anything you guys want to add about the shoot before we get into some bow hunting? Um, no. You know, we didn't know what to expect, but. Um, yeah. yeah, we had an awesome turnout. It was different because I've never been to a traditional only shoot besides like traditional bow hunters in Montana, and that's usually more laid back. It's not like just, it's not very structured. It's usually just a gathering, which is cool too. Um, but this was more of like a, I wouldn't say competitive, but uh, it, like like you said, we kept score. It was structured and yeah, it was structured. you guys had... had Trophies that were well, like really cool. The the plaque I won was I don't know who made that, but mm-hmm. kind of a wood plaque shaped like a stone point, and just everything was just really professional. You yeah. know, you guys really stepped it up, and and uh, we have a lot of work to do next year. Yeah, thanks. Well, I I just want to say uh, I'm just Bill's dad. I just come come and help Bill because he's helped our club for so many years, and. Uh, I am proud of this bunch. These Bill and his buddies are all hardcore, traditional, hard hunting, great kids. Uh, kids, you know, they're in their thirties. Sure. And I, I want to say another thing. I've 
native Montana. I've always been the guy going hunting and I go to camp and damn out of stater, damn out of stater, out of staters everywhere. I mean, I, I have a lot of out of state friends and we hunt together and I go to other states, but you know, I, this is a special place and I, I'm selfish. I keep Montana for myself. Uh, but this bunch of friends of Bill's, I bet you Bill's one of the few natives out of that whole bunch. They're all from other states, Pennsylvania. What what binds them together is traditional bow hunting. Absolutely. They're, they're our brothers. They're great people, hard workers, great bow. I mean, they just knocked this thing out. Bill's a great leader, but those guys all know what to do and all pitch in. And it it's cool to me that I had to eat crow because, man, there's great people from Pennsylvania, Paul Kemper and and... All, I don't even know where yeah, a lot, the, but the, the traditional bow is it traditional bow hunting podcast? Is that Paul Kemper and yeah, Dane um, Wilder and uh, Dane Ryder, Dane, Dane Ryder, Ryder, yeah, yeah Ryder. you know, and they're all, I, and they're all transplants, but I love them all. They're bow, yeah, and that's not that's a bow hunting Montana podcast, yeah, yeah, and that's a lot of fun hanging with, and that's through the traditional bow hunters, sponsored by the traditional bow hunters of Montana. But Dane and Paul and uh, most of Bill's buddies are not native Montanans, but I don't care that to me they're as Montanan and yeah. as native as anyone because we have that in common. You know, we're brothers of the bow. Absolutely. It's a great uh, bunch. Rob Batuta from the Sipo Chronicles was here and mm-hmm. um, never got to meet him. We got to hang out and, and uh, shoot the shit and um, didn't get out on the course with him. I would have loved to, but... Uh, you know, had some great conversations. He's a fun guy, and there was just a ton of just great dude. It's traditional bow hunting, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, everybody's salt of the earth. I mean, we're all doing it the hard way, yeah. And so that that just brings a certain kind of person mm-hmm. um, to to the to the event or to to the lifestyle, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if for anyone that's listening, if you guys had fun here, and if you're from Montana. Um, Oregon showed up pretty big. I think we had six or seven vendors. We had a lot of folks that made the drive out. And uh, we're, we we love folks from Montana. We really hope to see you guys in Oregon next year. Um, so you know, one year from now, we'll, we'll be uh, hosting it. We're trying to get Thai Valley. Um, we've had it there before, and so we're hoping that that happens. But we haven't locked down the location yet. Um, but why don't, you, why don't we get into, uh, uh, you know, this is a father-son, how you were raised Bill up to, to, to be a bow hunter in Montana. He didn't have a chance to be anything else. So I put a picture of a, a hockey player on the wall, and when he'd look at it, I'd hit him. And, <laughs> and uh, he dabbled in rodeo a little bit, and uh, as did his sisters, and that was kind of my thing when I was a kid. But when I got this... Uh, bow hunting bug um, he didn't have a chance because uh, and I I kind of feel bad about this but I kind of used Bill because uh, I was gone every weekend if I wasn't going to a shoot or going hunting uh, so I'd tell my wife uh, I'm going to take Bill to the shoot and it kind of got me off the hook for, yeah. for you know and, and, and my daughters are all out, outdoor women and and my daughter Brooke shot, and my daughter Stacy shot. Katie 
You said you have three daughters. I have three daughters, yeah. And Bill's the youngest out of the three. They were all raised, uh, they were all harvested elk uh, with guns. Uh, sure. But, I, I mean, we're an outdoor family. My my grandpa was a government trapper. Uh, he shot an elk every year of his life. Uh, well, from, I shouldn't say that, because there wasn't any elk in the bear paws when he, he never saw a deer until he was 18 years old in the bear paws of Montana. Wow. Uh, and he attributed it to the, when they built the train through, the train building people shot so much, wiped out the game and the planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they started coming back, but I, but uh, he was a hunter and a trapper, and uh, just uh, I got the bug bad, and then uh, I, I and I, I I have friends that are great bow hunters, and uh, maybe their kid uh, is into something else. I just I I never wanted to go without Bill or my daughters, and so they. You didn't really have a chance to not be a bullhunter. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah. Yeah. It's always special. I I grew up, uh, my father was a commercial diver and fisherman, so I grew mm. up on the ocean fishing and stuff, and and uh, I'm always jealous of these father-son relationships where they, uh, you know, bonded in the woods through bow hunting. Like um, my good buddy who wasn't here today, Bob the Bowhunter, he was at the event, but they left early. We're... The event's over now, and we're just you know, everything's wrapped up, and we're here the last night. Sunday night, we'll be leaving tomorrow. But um, just really blessed to sit down with you guys and cover the shoot and and to get to know you guys uh, a little bit better. Um, so, what was it like uh, growing up bow hunting? Hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I'm interrupting again. This is Nick. Uh, <laughs> poor Bill. Uh, he shot his first. Three or four deer with a bow. Uh, I just couldn't imagine he wanted even to do it any other way. And I remember he was in high school, and you know, high school kids get to talking, you know, about how big the deer they shot and stuff. And and we're we're we we have no uh, nothing against shooting big deer, but you know, if we can't get a big deer, we shoot a deer and we eat them. We live on deer and elk. And uh, one day Bill came home and he was kind of being shy and kind of kicking the rocks and he says dad i know you got some guns i've seen them you shoot coyotes with them uh do you think i could shoot a deer with a gun and i was just taken aback i just thought my god my son's 14 years old and i've never taken him deer hunting with a gun and uh i was proud of it but i says yeah yeah i guess i don't know why you'd want to shoot a deer with a gun but go ahead sure so he (laughs) wasn't that Probably four deer before you ever shot one with a gun. Yeah, and I, and I'm not an anti-gun hunter. I just couldn't imagine why anybody would think that was as cool. But he got over that after about one or two years, and mm-hmm. right back at it. And you see, you guys seem to have a pretty good community out here of, of bow hunters. Um, are you guys mostly hunting Montana? Do you guys go? We, we hunt or? primarily Oregon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ain't get no game out there. So. Oh, there's none here. <laughs> yeah, not enough. Well, when we're not in Oregon, we're in Washington, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't traveled much. I mean, we've been to Alaska a little bit. We went on moose hunt deck. Got a, a moose a few years back. Oh. Um, I got uh, 
I've been on this long journey to kill an elk with my trad bow. Uh, I killed a couple, a couple elk with a rifle, but I've never killed an elk, and I've been hunting elk, and I've been telling people this, like they're my nemesis, you know, just couldn't seal the deal uh, for probably 18 plus years, and I, I put in for Wyoming last year, my cousin lives down there, and I heard the elk hunting's good, and he asked me to put in with him, and Anyway, I, I put in for Wyoming, I drew, and I killed my first bull elk last year in Wyoming. So, I've been elk hunting forever. We were hunting the brakes growing up, which was great. And then we kind of, I went to school in Bozeman, and I uh, started getting into calling elk and kind of figuring out how to talk to elk and everything else. And and then I, I drew a tag in Wyoming last year and sealed the deal. It was, it was awesome. Well, let's hear the story. Um... Yeah, I mean, um, we we had, I call it privileged access. Okay. It was through some private onto some public, but uh, we were into a big herd, and um, my Wyoming buddies would be, like, punching me in the shoulder right now, like, we don't have any elk in Wyoming, but they have some good elk hunting in Wyoming, and uh, we were into a big herd, and it was it was great, man. I mean, I, I don't want to not tell the story and be shy about it, but it was awesome. Um, we got into a big herd and it was like we i tried to take a nap during uh midday and i couldn't because the elk just wouldn't shut up you know it was just like one of the magic moments where you're just elk hunting and the bulls were just bugling so much it was just retarded and uh uh, that was the first weekend the next weekend i drove back down there we hiked into the same spot which was an ass kicker and uh but totally worth it and me and my cousin slept on the ground for three nights and um killed a bull and uh packed it out one load which was oh which was a a son of a gun it was a younger bull um but it was awesome it was great made a shot and uh that bull tipped over not too far we heard him crash and it it was pretty magical it was cool that was last season. That was the last year. Well, you know what they say, you're only as good as your last shot. Yeah. So I'm sure you're excited about this next year. Yeah, I'll take it, man. Um, yeah. I'm not going to tell you guys where I drew a tag this year, but I drew a tag uh, pretty close to hometown, and uh, it's a pretty coveted tag. And I've always wanted to hunt near home, and I drew a tag this year. I'm super stoked about it. Not trying to put any pressure on myself, but it's just going to be awesome to hunt near home um in i don't know it's just, it's just a really special place for us it's where we host a bunch of our bow shoots and we know a lot of people out there and you're going into it with you know some confidence so. yeah. yeah yeah shooting pretty good so yeah. and i haven't drawn it since 2000 and i've it's the most exciting i'm more i think i'm more jacked about it than bill i'm gonna I'm going to be his little bitch and pack his out and <laughs> cook, and, and I'm so excited. I, I'm Jack. I, Bill turned me on to a new spot for me, and I was really excited to go there, and when I heard he drew this tag, I'm like, there's no place I'd rather be. It's, like, going to be epic. Man, that sounds like a great Whether time. we harvest one or not, but Bill will. He's a hell of a shot and a good hunter, and yeah. I'm it, Jack. It doesn't even matter. It's just like well, one of those spots where you want to hunt. You just yeah. want to be elk hunting there, yeah. you know? Yeah, just, that's the beauty of hunting with, yeah. the, with the simple stick and string is, you know, we're, we're, we're always satisfied just getting the time in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we, you know, we go at it at, at such a difficult, I mean, there's not a 
more difficult legal way to obtain milk in your freezer. Um, we're forced to get a lot of time in the woods. Uh, when it all comes together, it's super special. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention, I'm getting married this summer. And uh, so we're pretty booked. And, I, and we're pretty stoked about that, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, the elk tag and having Ashley in the family. And she's an outdoor woman and a good shot with the bow. And uh, we, traditionally. We pulled long. into the parking lot and. Once she worked her butt off at the shoot. Yeah, we were told uh, to, to come to cabin number four, and I knocked, and Ashley answered the door. and and uh, you guys weren't around and just super welcoming and gave us all the information we needed. And um, everybody here has just been so, uh, uh, you know, welcoming um, here in, in Montana. And this is my first time in Montana. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. It really is. It's a, a lot of great people. So I'm, I'll, I'll be coming back to uh, even just for some camping with my family. This yeah. is... It's a great spot. I wish I could, could have talked my family into coming. They yeah. were intimidated by the 17-hour car drive. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. smokes. Mm. So, um, what else do you guys get into? Do you guys get into the antelope? Or is oh, it yeah. whitetail and mule deer? Do you guys get after the whitetails? Or? Yeah, and, and I have like I have a little place. Uh, I have, uh, any given night, I have 40, 50 mule deer does on my place, and we have... We're so close to town. We're five miles from town, and everybody in seems like in town shoots. We just can't grow a big meal there. Let's put it that way. We're known for two point bucks on our place. Yeah, the sea brass buck. Right they call there. them the sea brass bucks. Yeah. <laughs> they're like thirty inches tall and fourteen inches wide. They sound yummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, they're tasty little buggers. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and we we chase those. Uh, we always put in for a. It, that's a drawing of B tag for a mule deer doe, so you can still use your A tag for your buck. And we we have, we've had a lot of fun over the years harvesting does on our place with our bows and or <laughs> working at it anyway. They're tough. Mule yeah. deer does are tough. Yeah. Do you guys get after these uh, Montana whitetail at all? Oh, I love them. That's what I love more: bill, turkey, elk, or whitetail. Mm-hmm. Depends on what day of the week it is. I have not hunted whitetail yet. Oh, oh and, my God. And, uh, but I'm, blacktail. I have, I'm a blacktail nut. Yeah. And I do, a, I, there's not a lot of content out there on blacktail because they're really only found on the West Coast. And um, so I do a lot of um, uh, studying on whitetail. And when I say I'm looking at uh, whitetail um, uh, knowledge or whitetail content, I should say, I'm not looking at Midwest content. I'm looking at whoever's hunting in the mountains, even if it's the Northeast. Um, but Montana is the whitetail I really want to try first. Um, that, that that's the the hunt I want to come to Montana for is is the whitetail deer. We're we're fortunate to have uh, uh, it's a 20 minute drive to our tree stands from on the Milk River from my house, and uh, we have a really beautiful little corner of public land that I access through a buddy. Uh, it's public, it's state land, and but people kind of leave us alone because I've been hunting it for 29 years, I guess, at least, and people kind of know that's Nick and Bill's little corner of the world, I guess, and uh, we've had some great... You know, don't say TV bucks very often, but we get some nice bucks. Um... I like to tell the story. Uh, 
Well, tell the story. Well, so so I always I try to I love whitetail hunting. I I think if I, gosh, I don't know if I could uh, if I could only do one thing would it be whitetail or chasing elk. Okay. Whitetail's right what, up there. What would it be though? I yeah, it might be whitetail because you sound like me with black tail. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. It's like I love. I start thinking about them bugling and then it's like and, and yeah. chewing on elk meat. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the black the tail, game. maybe the, the white tail, that are just like you could see a buck now and then never see him again. Yeah, um, it's, they're just and they're uh, patternable to me. So mule deer, we I don't I don't prefer them too much because. You know, you put your boots on the ground. There's Brian does a great. He, he's a great mule deer hunter, and he tells the story how he colder. Yeah, yeah, we had him on yeah. just covering white. Yeah, and that's yeah. And, and, and that's awesome. But I like to try to figure these white tail out, do some pre scout, and try to figure them out. And we know where they bed, and we know where they eat. And then, then it's to me, it's a chess game. Are you using tree stands? Yeah, yeah. yeah so you're yeah. in the hunting. I, I did shoot one on the ground last year, but um, that was I was getting in my tree and I heard a doe come <laughs> pounding by me and and I knew a buck was right behind him. And are you hunting them um, in their um, food to bed yeah. summer pattern or rut? No, it's it's rut. It's yeah. I I spend most all uh, archery season chasing out, but my my time. What November. I love, sweet November. What what I love is November, and it's rifle season, and we're we're a minority, and we have to wear orange, but I don't care. Pumpkins. Yeah, we turn into pumpkins, and uh, we, yeah, and and so what I love to do, it doesn't always work out, but I see a buck, and he's a target buck, yeah. and we don't have a lot, but this is a unique buck. So so we had this buck one year named Krabby because he had a crab claw and he had a little kicker and he's a real nice you know uh, just beautiful buck and and so I think I might have had him on it don't use game cameras a lot but I think I was experimenting wonderful and I had a picture show it to Bill he's down at Bozeman hey check this out oh cool and he's chasing elk and and I go out there once in a while in between elk and I'm not seeing him very often and then I catch a glimpse of him and and I'm I'm just jacked I'm gonna kill the, I gotta kill this buck I pass up all these, you know, other bucks, and and then it was uh, the rut was on. I think so. I grunted. It, it, so Bill, he's coming up this weekend just for a weekend. Got to get some Milk River whitetail hunting. So I'm thinking, I love hunting with my boy, and I, but I'm like, I'm kind of selfish. I, I want to shoot crabby, <laughs> but I want Bill to come home, and and when Bill comes home, mom she cooks cookies and stuff so it's cool i love when bill comes home <laughs> but uh so this morning bill for i think it was he get, he rolls in late at night because he had to work and we get up in the morning and we go out and i already got two stands set up and and i'm selfish i'm a loving dad but <laughs> i think he's going to be come by this tree stand so i put bill in the other one <laughs> <laughs> and sure as hell it was just getting light, just just shooting light, like not compound shooting light, but it's just traditional shooting light. And I, I grunted, and a buck grunted right away, and I'm like, oh, and I turn behind me, and he's behind me, and there he is in all his glory. He just, he, I, I lit him up. He just, and uh, so long, long story short, I get a shot, miss, and I, I don't think you're supposed to, well, 
You're not supposed to text, but I text Bill. God dang, I just missed Krabby. And he didn't answer. And I thought, whoa, doesn't he think that's cool that I had a shot at Krabby? Well, he was too damn busy shooting Krabby because Krabby just runs right over to Bill and Bill kills him. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, did you hear me? I just missed Krabby. And he's like, did you hear me? I just killed Krabby. I'm like, shit. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm Jack. More cookies from Mama. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he kills Krabby, and damn if he didn't come back the next year. And I had another really beautiful high frame four point, oh, just gnarly horns. And, and I'd been hunting that buck all year and moving and trying to capture this buck. And sure as hell, Bill comes home for the weekend and kills him. <laughs> But do, you, do you guys uh, use calling as your any tactics or yeah for whitetail? I I've had great success in the last few years rattling. Uh, I think the last. So what 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 does your rattling sequence look like? Uh, well, there's no camera here. No, but, but <laughs> you know, what, what, you know <laughs> yeah, me, meaning like you know, are, are you so, real aggressive? How long are the durations? Well, how it, long do you wait? Yeah, so so. I'm on the edge of it. It's a, it's a corner in the river, it, and it's their bedding area. It's brushy, and we try to stay out of there, but we get right on the fringe. On the outside of the of an oxbow. Yeah. 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 Well, outside. Or the inside. The it, we're on the inside. It, okay, the inside. It hooks like this. Yeah. But what we call the rattling tree, where I've shot four bucks in the last five six years. Uh it's it's about eighty yards from that heavy brush that they bed in, and that and that brush, it's all cottonwoods and it's uh, thorn apples and bullberries. It's real thick. I've had to track deer through there, and you're on your hands and knees. It's very thick, and they just have beds all over in there. And and it, we hold a lot of does, but most of our bucks are cruisers from the across the river. They cross the river like it's nothing. It doesn't really hold them in. But it kind of funnels what's in our little bedding area bias. So my rattling tree is about 80 yards of sagebrush on the edge of a slough that it's possible that there's bucks in the slough behind me. So it's not, which I think is good, that when they hear a rattle, they can look in that slough and think, you know, visualize there's a buck there as opposed to just. Right. So it works really good. Uh so I just click them uh, maybe every 15 minutes, kind of soft, sometimes kind of harder, depending on if I see a buck and I'm trying to get his attention. And I throw on some grunts. And Doug Kring's a friend of mine who he met tonight in the bar. Oh, uh, yeah. He's a whitetail guru, and he got me snort wheezing. Like, okay. And, uh, and I, I like to snort wheeze if I see a buck. Sometimes it scares the hell out of him. It's like you hit him in the ass with a scoop shovel, but... Uh, sometimes I've had that happen too. I snort wheezed a buck across the river. You know, I snort wheezed and he looked up and next thing I heard, pollution and here he comes, just like <laughs> on a string, you know. So uh I try I don't I don't know if I'm it's been working. Uh I've grunted some deer in. I've done like uh uh I shot a double uh main beam buck with uh uh I I call it kind of a tending grunt, like a... Okay, yeah. He wouldn't pay attention to me at all when I would rattle, and I'd seen him chasing the doe. And then I, you know, I was just getting frustrated. I got to try something. I think I tried to snort wheeze, nothing. 
And then when I started, like I was 10 and adult, he, man, he, that was it. He just came, wham, right into me. That's what I've heard is so cool about whitetails. They can get real aggressive. Oh, and they, mm-hmm. they can be on you so quick. That's, that's what I love. The adrenaline is just pumping out my ears, and it's pretty pretty nice. So what, what was uh, your perspective on Crabby? Or what's Crabby. your side of the story? So he it was first light, and he texted me. He's like, I just missed Crabby. He's like, I think he might be heading your way. You know. We're track guys. We're sitting yeah. in tree stands, so like yeah. we're texting, but we're yeah. not like it's not going to help us yeah, kill no. this deer, right? Yeah, no, for sure. But we're probably like I don't know, four or five hundred yards away, and he's like, "I just missed a really nice deer." So I see this deer pop out, and he's on the river, and uh, it's crabby. Um, but I I grunted, and he just like turned and like came on the string, and just came right in, and I actually had a fawn. Um, him and Krabby were like nose to nose, like, I don't know, like sniffing each other or whatever, but it's at like 15 yards and I made a shot, Krabby runs off and he dies. And then about 15 minutes later, a doe comes in and I shot the doe, she runs off and dies. So it was one, a pretty cool morning. Mm-hmm. A double. I had yeah. a double, I had a doe buck combo that morning. It was yeah. a pretty cool day. Yeah. And, and on the target buck at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was a nice deer. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sweet spot. Um, it's, it's not very big at all, but, like, hunting whitetails, we love doing it. We don't, uh, we don't really go out with a rifle for deer. Uh, we I did when I was a kid, but like that's our thing in November. Like we're out rattling white tails, and it works. Yeah, we rattle black tails. Yeah, sweet November. That's it works, man. Yeah. I mean, if you guys haven't rattled um, or you haven't grunted at a white tail buck during November, sitting in orange and tree stand, like you ought to. It's well, a sweet experience. Well, uh, if he's listening, and he may, uh, I was invited to come out uh, from Brian Colzer. Mm. I was telling him my oh, interest in, in whitetail. Uh, you got invited by Brian? Yeah, he says he <laughs> says he's got some some spots for him. No, he doesn't. That's what he said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he kills a nice buck. No, you better come to our place. <laughs> yeah, Brian, uh, come on, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He said he said he had a spot or two. He Where's my in. invite? <laughs> Brian, I'm doing a podcast too. <laughs> oh, well, that'll be jacked. Yeah, uh, I would, I'd, I'd love to make it out here. Um, all the research I've done, you know, looking at the Winslows back in their heyday and uh, hunting out here, it's it's a Western whitetail, you know, and I'm a Western guy, so um, that's that's the kind of whitetail I want to hunt. Mm-hmm. It's real exciting. I'm, you know, we got elk to look forward to right now, and and I'm already hooked on November. You know, thinking mm-hmm. about blacktail and, and the chance of uh, I probably won't make it make it up this year for. For a white tail, but it's it's high on the bucket list for sure. Cool. Super cool. Yeah, should be. Yeah, we've had a pretty good run with antelope. Uh, for well, uh, I'll dive into the antelope. Yeah, Dad, go ahead. Yeah. Dad was a UPS man for twenty seven years, so oh, he he 31, had but okay thirty one. Well, so long you're, time you're retired UPS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what do you do? Uh. I went to a school for architecture, and uh, now I'm into construction. Okay. Part owner of a general contractor business. Okay. So construction. Um, but 
dad dad uh back to the antelope deal um dad was a ups man he had a main street for a long time and then he he um went into a country route and he scored all these sweet <laughs> you know cent- north central montana i got is paid all, to scout antelope. yeah north <laughs> central montana is all plains it's like all wheat fields it's uh the big sky country you know you go out there you can see for miles and uh Dad, Dad got really hooked up with all these sweet antelope spots. Um, so we've been big antelope hunters for some time now, and uh, we've had really good access. I mean, it's not like public land, you know. I won't brag of, like we're big public land antelope hunters, but uh, we do have a lot of fun hunting antelope in uh, tree stands or ground blinds over water, um, which not everybody gets to do that we've realized, you know, it's, we we're pretty fortunate with it, but we've killed a lot of antelope over water, you know, just sitting there, uh, waiting for an antelope to come get a drink. And then we're in a blind sitting there waiting for him. But do you find that the, the, does it matter how well do you brush the blinds in or do you just leave them out not long enough for them to get used we, to? We wear out blinds cause we, I, I, I put them out about two weeks ahead of time and yeah. leave them the whole season and, Sometimes I go to gather them and there's not much left of them, but there's winds and they're sunbeat, yeah, yeah, and sunbeat, yeah. You don't have to brush them up at all. Mm-hmm. You just got to get them used to it. I do like to let them. I call it soak. I let them. I try to put them on it. Oh, but I we've killed them the same day we put them up too. But they, I have had them come in and see that blind and just like, what the hell is that? And, um, You're very skittish over water. Yeah. When they, an animal vulnerable. lives by its eyes, and so when they have to go down into these, these are pit reservoirs that the farm, nowadays it's all farmland, but it used to be homestead places, and they dig these dugouts, some people call them, and they're down, so when those antelope have to go down, they lose that vision of around them, so they're pretty skittish when they get down to drink. So what's the trick there? Are you waiting till they're fully committed to drinking, or... Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes walking by depends on the situation. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we always set up to, like, get them where they're drinking, you know, and they're calm and they're settled. But we usually don't take a shot over 15 yards over water. Yeah. So you don't need to. I mean, yeah. they come in. Yeah. I don't think... And, and one place we have is... Uh, uh, it has a great cottonwood tree that... So you can spend a lot of time in a hot blind waiting for an antelope to come in. Some years we pass bucks. There's so many antelope. We really got hit hard in the winter four years ago, mm-hmm. and they've never really, the population hasn't really came back. Uh, but prior to that, we would like we would name the bucks and, and let's wait for the next one. and. And it is really we had some great years then, but but we have one reservoir that has a cottonwood tree, and we hung a tree stand in it. And we did, Bill ended up. What was it last year? He killed two that years one. ago. Two, yeah. And Dwayne, our son-in-law, killed one out of that yep. tree. But mostly that's a observation deck, because you can now that there's not as many antelope, you can spend twelve hours in a hot blind and nothing comes in. So we climb up that tree stand, and you have five mile visibility all around the reservoir, and then you can judge if you want to stay or if there's a big buck out there you wait him out have you, have you guys ever tried spot stocking them or using deep yeah, yeah. Talk maybe about uh, bobbies 
up the road there and that antelope that came yeah so i so i got a good friend uh dale neighbor that's uh kind of the guru of uh decoying bucks he's a buddy with mel dutton who makes a great uh antelope decoy and uh for years that's what we did was decoy try to decoy him in the rut and that's pretty effective um the shots sometimes aren't as desirable as 15 yards at a water hole because every most uh antelope that we decoy a lot of times you get them into 40 but that's kind of it and i i can't i won't shoot that far but every once in a while you get one that's really aggressive and he wants to kick your ass because the decoy's a threat to him and uh uh Neil Jacobson, Bear Paw Bows, he was selling a, a, a decoy. I can't remember the brand name, but it was a big old rubber nose, looked like an antelope head, and uh, had horns. It was a piece of carpet, kind of, and you Velcroed it to your bow, and he had them in whitetail. I think he even has a uh, head elk, elk and antelope. Elk. And, yeah. and you put them on your bow, and then you go stalk, you know. Okay. And to me, it was really hard to shoot through, and it kind of screwed up my accuracy and stuff, but I got to try this thing out. I, it's a gimmick I bought, and I got to use it. So I went up to my buddy rancher, my neighbor to the south of me, and if you get between a buck, a lot of times when you're decoying, you you decoy the satellite bucks in because there's a, there's a dominant buck in his herd, his harem. And a lot of times he won't come in very hard because why leave his girls to kick your butt? But the satellite bucks, if you look like a little buck, they think they're going to kick your butt because they do get some of the scraps from the dominant buck. So, but one day I saw this group of antelope down through a little coulee and a nice buck in it. And I'm going to try to sneak on this buck. And I got this... uh, decoy strapped to my bow and frontal you look exactly like an animal an antelope i think you know what i mean it does to a human so i'm going after this buck and unbeknownst to me for some reason he ran over to where i just was after i went after him so i got between his harem and him and when he saw me close to his girls and uh they they started running off and i turned Cause I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And I turn, and he come down through that coulee, you know, as fast as an antelope can run, I guess 45 miles an hour, and he was gonna flat run my ass over. And I always, I always joke to my wife. She says, "You're gonna, isn't that scary? Behind one of those decoys, you're gonna get run over." And I'm, you know, being macho to my wife, I say, "Oh, I'd like one to try. That'd be great." <laughs> And I remember that buck coming at me, and I thought, holy shit, I might die here today. <laughs> and, here comes the speed go. Yeah, and I had an arrow knocked, and I, I'm I'm very against frontal shots on anything. I just can't I just can't do it. But I've thought about it a lot afterwards. You know, he's running 45, and my arrow's going 200 feet a second. It might have came, but it's just too chancy. So I just hunkered down and, and just braced. I knew he was going to hit me, <laughs> and this might be it. <laughs> and uh, he went by me so close, I could feel his hair on the side of my face. <laughs> and an antelope has a really... Have you ever been close to an antelope? No. They, oh, my God. They, he bumped it's, you. It's a, yeah, it's a unique smell. 
<laughs> and he went by me so fast, he went about 10 yards past me and spun because he's like, what the hell was that? And he spun out and he landed on the side. And then I, I you know, I, I came to full draw and I'm like, oh shit, I can't shoot an antelope wallowing around on the ground trying to get back up. <laughs> so I just like, whoa, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so I know uh, decoying can be pretty exciting sometimes. Yeah, sure. I, I've, I think I've only killed one with a decoy, Dale, and my neighbor that got me into it. Uh, Dale Neighbor, my buddy, he's uh, killed uh, probably every antelope he killed was over a decoy. Do they have a vocalization or yeah? <laughs> they chuckle. Yeah. Oh, and is, can that be used to your advantage, or have you tried that? Guys do it, and they even sell. You know, they sell okay. everything. They okay. sell a deal. It's just a blonde, but it's a chuckle. It's <laughs> okay. And we have a. My mentor, my sensei, Greg Durward, he wasn't here this weekend because of graduation, but he's got a real high-pitched voice. We call him Squeaks, and he makes a really good vocalization. But I don't know that I've ever seen where that made a difference. Yeah. We, you, If you hear that, the jig's up pretty much. Like, they saw you, and that's why they do that. They're, uh, that chuckle is they're telling people their okay. power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's we have very uh, limited opportunity to hunt them, and um, I have hunted them. I I had a heart mountain tag, which takes like twenty years to get, and I got it too soon. I got it uh, eight years in, and I got it on the wettest year we've oh. ever had, and the water holes were lakes, mm. and they would not. And everyone's like, "Oh, you got a heart mountain tag? That's a wolf. It, it's on a antelope, a wildlife refuge." Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's a welfare hunt. You're going to be able to just pick and choose what buck you want. And uh, I sat in a blind for like days and didn't have a... Mm. They would not come in. Too much moisture. Yeah. And that that happens to no us, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we get a rainy fall... Then it started raining, and I could yeah. call it quits. Yeah. Um, they, hell, they drink out of a cat track in the road. Yeah. You know, they don't need to come in. They yeah. seem really spooky about the blind uh, um, since... Um, the the water was uh, they didn't have to go by blinds yeah. you know they yeah. just didn't have to they had so much so many options yeah um, but I know that I've uh, my stepdad's took them with rifle in Oregon and in Wyoming and the the table fair is top notch oh it's it's amazing meat yeah. they are good really good meat mm-hmm. really it's what motivated me to start buying the points is he made me some uh, eggs over easy with some some pronghorn steaks and I was like what is, this is different what is this yeah um, any special recipe the way you guys like to cook them up or not really for antelope no just treat it like just venison like awesome else. steaks yeah. yeah they are good though yeah I've heard some guys like foo foo it but it sounds like you, you really gotta be on your uh, game of taking care of the animal to eat so a lot of people that don't like antelope I think are rifle hunters that have chased the, you know, they get heated up if you if it's a big chase. I, they're just a, a stinky animal, and they get all sweated up. I think I think it's not so much the meat as the what it smells like when they're processing. Some guys are. It's a goat. Yeah, it's a goat, and they're and they're and I, I like domestic goat and wild goat. I mean, mm-hmm. goat or whatever. I was eating some goats from Hawaii here recently, but yeah. Goat meat's awesome, I think. I think it's just how you take care of the oh, animal yeah. in the field and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Bill killed a mountain lion two, three years ago. I don't know. Everything's two, three years ago to me, but uh, a while ago. 
with with your stick though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And oh uh, man, that'd be a good way to conclude this podcast. A mountain lion story. One of you. Uh, mm. Well, it was my first mountain lion hunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Schwemeyer, the guy that was very, 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 very late to uh, bring in the targets to set up. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good hand when he was here. Yeah, right? he was a good. He was okay. He's a great guy. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, buddies out of Lewistown, Montana, um, and uh, Mark's got some dogs, and Doug Krings is another friend of ours out of Lewistown, and Doug's like, hey, Bill, you should get a mountain lion tag, you know, like, we'd love to take you out, and you're up if you want to shoot kind of deal. It's kind of the way mountain lion goes, it's like, well, this guy's the shooter that weekend, and I was the shooter that weekend, so I went up, and it was... Uh, New Year's weekend, and I asked Dad to come with us, and he, he's been mountain lion hunting a couple of times, and he's like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but we got up early, it was like 4.30 in the morning, and uh, the goal of mountain lion hunting is to find a track before sunup, so you're like way up before light, and you're trying to find a track, that way when light breaks, you can send the dogs after the track. But uh, we started, I think, 4.30 in the morning, and I don't know, it got light around 6.37, and no tracks were found. And then uh, we went back to town, and we picked up Doug, and we went to the, another spot, and we cut a track, let the dogs out. And mountain lion hunting's cool because you don't really know where you're going to be heading. You know, yeah. you're, you're following cat tracks. And wherever the mountain lion goes, wherever the dogs goes, where you're going. So it's just like, you know, it's it's usually not a very easy route. No, it's no. a marathon. Yeah. So we hiked a long ways. I can't remember how long. Um, I feel like it was a good five-plus miles or so, and the dogs probably put on like 12 miles because they're back and forth and, and so forth. But anyway, long story short... Um, we were about to give up on this mountain lion hunt, and Mark was, we were gathering dogs, and we had treed this cat three or four times throughout the day, and sometimes you'll tree a cat, and then they'll jump out, and they'll just keep running, and that happened, I think, three or four times that morning, so we just figured, you know, this is a smart cat, let's just carry on and call her quits. Well, anyway, we were trying to gather up dogs, and Mark's like, there is cat tracks everywhere up here let the dogs go again and we had a couple of the dogs i think we were running four that morning and we we let the dogs back back out and sure enough they had the cat treed and once you find them treed i mean it's not like a super difficult hunt i'm not gonna brag on it too much of how difficult it is but like the whole journey and the whole tracking and everything of a mountain lion working with the dogs yeah it's very cool experience if you ever get the opportunity to do so you should take it um but first mountain lion hunt and cat in the tree and you know you just take your time and make sure you're making a good shot made a good shot and that cat fell out of the tree and i think took one bound and expired it was pretty neat I, the reason I brought it up was we're talking about table fare that I didn't think I wanted to eat a predator. And Bill, uh, we took it in the taxidermist to get a rug made, and Bill said, I'd like to save the meat. And the taxidermist was like, what? But So he did, and we butchered it just like a deer. And, uh, man, that's some good eating. Yeah. If you like pork. I, I've, I've had some in some stew and... Um, 
it's definitely not something you want to let go. Um, from it's valued high in Oregon. The guys, we 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 can't use dogs, but we have a open season, no bag limit on lions in Oregon, and so it's generally you're hunting something else, hunting elk, and, and they come into cow calls or something like this, and and, and uh, we have way too many of them, and um, but yeah, they they it's an awesome it's an awesome animal, and uh, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. So, uh, do you guys have anything you guys would like to conclude um, as far as, uh, you know, raising your son as a bow hunter or growing up in Montana? I, I just, I, I just, you know, I, I, hell, I think everybody knows how proud I am of Bill, the man he's become, and uh, the friends he's fostered and uh, because of the bow uh, you know it, it, it gets thrown around a lot but brotherhood of the bow is very meaningful to our family um, we've, we've got friends all over the country because of it you know and a newfound friend in you you know I listen Absolutely. to that great radio voice but now I can put a face to it and you're homelier than I thought. But. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, man, I'm just, I'm so blessed. Like today, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter was with us and she's shooting really good. And my son-in-law, and, well, we go in a big family unit. People usually shun us, don't want to shoot with us because we got my three grandkids and we're a menagerie out there. And I love it. I mean, what a way to raise up kids, be. right? And uh, Brooke, got sentimental and kind of teary and said thank you so much for uh i can't remember how she put it but uh for for passing this heritage on to us and i'm and that's humbling to me because i'm just selfish doing what i love and thanks for coming and enjoying this and um i'm i'm very proud of my son bill and and the work ethic he has and the and to oh, do this. Bill was busy this week, and I yeah. mean, every time I seen you, you were on, getting after it and keeping keeping everything going and, and keeping all your uh, all the people that were helping you. It was very well organized. Yeah, um, he, he's yeah he's he did a great job. I mean, I never went to a bathroom that wasn't clean. I didn't see trash on the ground. I didn't. I, everybody seemed just very uh, uh, happy, and yeah, this was a great event. You guys. And that's not easy to pull off. So, uh, well, you wouldn't my hat, go through this much work if you didn't love it, right, Bill? Yeah, that's no, yeah, yeah, for sure. Good crew too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You got anything to conclude? Uh, no. Uh, pleasure to be on. Yeah, yeah. Excited to meet you. Yeah, uh, pleasure's all mine. I'm looking forward to our our paths crossing again. And yeah, that white tail hunting you or that black tail hunting invited us on. That sounds yeah. exciting. Sounds good. You you are a hundred percent invited to to come on <laughs> black tails. You have to uh, take out some time in sweet November. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I've got uh, some of the best black tail hunting in the country, or, or there is in the black tail woods. Uh, we got big big public lands and um, pretty decent population, and actually. Um, we've got a proposal in right now with uh, traditional through traditional archers of Oregon um, with ODFNW uh, to get a traditional only blacktail hunt mm-hmm. in a, uh, a premium unit where um, it'll just be uh, uh, our brothers of the bow hunting in that unit and 
I perceive some big wall tent camps with a bunch of like-minded people chasing mm-hmm. blacktail bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it'd be something, and it'll be over the counter and something that uh, we can invite uh, friends from all over to, to join us in. So um, something to keep uh, in mind for sure. Um, they and speaking of table fairs, hard to beat some blacktail steaks. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Cool. Yeah. So that's cool. And it, and we'd like to invite you up for a gopher hunt. Okay. I've noticed you guys have a couple yeah, gophers yeah. down here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can envision some pup tents and s- some of our buddies and gopher curry and, and the drop gopher pot. curry. Yeah, sushi. Awesome. Gopher sushi. Gopher sushi. I like it. Well, well thank uh, you very much for what you do for promoting uh, and preserving our cherished way of life. Man. Yeah. 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 I mean, right on. It's it. Uh, we got to keep this thing going. Yeah. For my grandkids. 100%. For Bill and Ashley's grandkids. Yeah, 100% for sure. Well, once again, uh, we'd like to thank all the listeners for listening to the show. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. We'd like to thank our good friend Carson Brown at Sherwood Shafts for supporting the podcast. Andy Ponce at Addictive Archery. Uh, make sure you guys are joining your local organizations wherever you're at and you're listening to this. So support them. Um, these things don't happen uh, without people getting involved, you know, and Throwing your $30 in uh, yearly fees is, is needed, but get out there and help these guys uh, set up targets or uh, conservation, whatever you can do. Um, PBS is a great organization as long as Compton Traditional Bow Hunters. Um, so support these. You can see, check us out on Instagram at TradQuest. Uh, send us an email at tradquestpodcast.com. And as always, get the wings. The deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect a thing. I can't take it any longer, I've got to breathe some air. The only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, long on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie, true and